We are living in uncertain, hostile times. There is so much uncertainty. We can feel the tension politically, socially, economically, and spiritually. And as fear creeps in with an upcoming election, and as fear creeps in with the stock market crashing, and as as fear creeps in with this flu virus that is impacting the world, how do you and I, as followers of Jesus, respond? What does it look like for us to love and live like Jesus in uncertain times? When you're religious and your personal freedoms are under attack, And if we are called to love and live like Jesus, then how do we respond to gender confusion? How do we respond to the, the, really, the, the increase in the suicide rate? How do we respond to the human sex trafficking problem? How do we respond to the school shootings and to the church bombings? What does it look like for us in these hostile, volatile times, in these environments, what does it look like for you and I to respond to love and live like Jesus? See, around the world, it it continues to get worse and worse. I know of one country, if you choose to profess your faith in Jesus Christ, that that you will be arrested and that you will actually be boiled alive. I know in other parts of the world that if you profess your faith in Jesus, that they will capture you, they will persecute you, and they will put you to death. We are living in hostile environments. And you need to know that our world is on a collision course with disaster. It isn't a massive asteroid that, that is you know, heading towards Earth. It's not global warming. It's not Al-Qaeda. It's not even the coronavirus. It is a clash between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God, and the clock is ticking faster and faster. In Indonesia, there are hundreds of Christian churches that are being burned, thousands of Christians that have lost their lives. In Sudan, in Nigeria, in North and West Africa, in Southeast Asia, in in the Middle East, there have been more than 100 million Christians over the last century that have lost their lives because they have professed their faith in Jesus Christ. We are living in very uncertain, hostile times. In our country, in the United States, on university campuses, on TV, through the internet, in our schools, Christians are increasingly experienced being targets of ridicule, abuse, and hatred. And the question is, God, where are you in all of this? What's our response as followers of Jesus? What does it look like for you and I to love and live like Jesus in hostile times? If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up with me to Matthew chapter 10 as we're going to continue in our series called Live Sent. Last week, Josh did a great job of opening up this passage, and we looked at how Jesus, you know, invited these disciples. He called out the disciples, and then he entrusted them with his power and authority, and then he sent them out. Let's pick it up in verse 16. He says, Jesus says, behold, in other words, hey, pay special attention. I want you to pay close attention to this. He says, behold, I am, and here's this big word, I am sending you. 
And the reason this is so important, especially here at Sci Life, is that our church, Sci Life Church, exists to make and send disciples who love and live like Jesus. See, this, this word send is pretty significant to us. Jesus didn't say, hey, I want you to gather together and just hang out in the holy huddle. Jesus didn't say that. He doesn't want us to get in the huddle together and talk about sending. He doesn't want us to get together and talk about discipleship, talk about sharing our faith. He wants us to get to the line of scrimmage and he wants us to run the play. He's saying, listen, I need you to go. In John 20, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. We are to live our lives as sent people. In fact, this word send has two different Greek usages. And the one that's in this passage, we get the Greek word apostello, where we actually get the English word apostle, which means to be sent out with a purpose. And so what Jesus is saying is, I am sending you out with a purpose. I am sending you out on this mission of making disciples. And so we need to be super clear that if you have accepted Jesus as your savior, if he is your, your, your king, that I'm telling you, Jesus is talking to you today. He's not just talking to me as a pastor. He's not just talking to spiritual leaders of churches. He is is talking to every single follower of Jesus, every single disciple of Christ, you have been called by God as a disciple to go be sent, to go out into your world, into your neighborhoods, into your workplaces, into the homes, into your schools, into your ball teams, into your dance teams, and you have been called to love and to live like Jesus. And the question is, how? How do we do this? And, and Jesus tells us, he says, so behold, I am sending you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And again, I want you to, I want you to see how, what Jesus says here. He sends us out first. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. And I'm just going to naturally ask the question because I'm sure you're asking it. You know, say, God, are you telling me that you're purposefully and strategically sending a bunch of innocent, vulnerable, harmless sheep out into a pack of wolves? Like, God, are, are you telling me that, that you would send missionaries to foreign lands knowing that they're going to be ridiculed, that they're going to be rejected, and some are going to be killed? God, are you telling me that you're sending me out into that workplace, into that office, into that school where they make, make, where they make, make, fun, make fun of me, where they might make fun of my faith? God, is that what you're saying? And Jesus said, absolutely, that is exactly what I'm saying. See, where does light shine the brightest? In the darkness. Shines the brightest in the darkness. He's called you and I to be sheep going out, being sent out in the midst of wolves. See, and this phrase, uh, you know, sheep amongst wolves, wasn't new to the disciples. This wouldn't have been foreign, a foreign concept to them because their Jewish leaders would have been teaching them about the Old Testament story of Esther. 
See, Esther was this young Jewish girl who lived in a very heathen kingdom, and God had placed her there for a certain time. And, and again, you know, their whole, they had a plan of a full extinction. This heathen kingdom had a plan for a full extinction of the Jews. It was going to be kind of like the first Holocaust. And their cousin Mordecai tells Esther, you were born for such a time as this. She was just a little lamb living amongst a pack of wolves, and God used her to deliver his people as well as save an entire nation. See, Jesus is sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. He's sending you out into a very hostile, volatile environment. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I personally don't really like the sheep analogy, just personally. I would have much more preferred for Jesus to have said, hey, I'm sending you out as a gladiator. I'm sending you out as, you know, uh, you know as, a, as, a, as a warrior. I'm sending you out as a MMA fighter. Just something other than probably a sheep. A sheep to me sounds very passive, sounds very wimpy, but of course that's not what Jesus was saying. He's saying, listen, as you and I take the message of Jesus to the people around us, you need to understand those people are going to want to devour you. That's the kind of environment that we are going out in. That you need to remember that you need to listen and follow your shepherd who is Jesus. That he's going to send you out, as we looked last week, he's going to send you out with all the power and authority that Jesus embodies. And we need to be sheep that follows the shepherd. He tells us also that we need to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now, I don't know about you, but there's pretty much nothing about snakes that I like or enjoy. I can't stand snakes. And so what in the world would be positive uh, that Jesus is trying to help us understand? But here's what Jesus is getting at. And again, it's important that you understand the context of the passage because we need to understand that snakes oftentimes around danger are incredibly careful and incredibly cautious. They often do not act foolishly. And so Jesus is saying, when I am sending you out, you need to be my representatives as my children. Don't be foolish, but be wise. Be wise as serpents. And again, this passage this past week, as I was preparing and writing, was a huge passage for me to process and think through the situation that we're in and trying to discern, do we have a service where we have people in this auditorium with the coronavirus? Do we neglect uh, and, and ignore what our officials and governing authorities have asked of us? Or do we act wisely based upon the situation and the circumstances that we're in? See, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And see, when we look at 
Paul's life, we, he goes from city to city, and, and again, he didn't act foolishly. He didn't put himself in situations to, to be killed, even though he was often attacked, even though he was beaten uh, you know, numerous, numerous times, even though there were many times when he was stoned, and, and again, it looked like that he was, was going to be put to death, but he didn't deliberately try to provoke the people around him. Before, when he was, uh, before the arena of the very angry people there in Ephesus, he didn't try to... In, you know, antagonize them. He didn't go after their pagan gods. He didn't make fun of their goddess Diana in Corinth. He didn't make, you know, make light of or put down all the Corinthians' many gods. But what he did was he pointed to the one true God. Paul was acting wisely. We even see it with Jesus. When Jesus is, is responding or interacting with the pack of wolves called the Pharisees, he, again, was using wisdom. He would think about what he was going to say before he said it. He was, he was very calculated in the sense of he knew that, that what was going on in their hearts, and he wanted to make sure that the, the things that he said were very pointed. But he was wise. He wasn't cavalier, if you will, in what he said. Because he knew that they would try to twist his words because they wanted to pounce on him like a pack of wolves and try to discredit him or even put him to death. Jesus modeled for us acting wisely. He says to be innocent as doves, which again symbolizes this idea of, of peace, of, of, of purity. And he wants us to go into our world of wolves and he wants us to bring peace. He wants us to be wise. He wants us to be pure. He's saying, listen, when you take my message, I want you to, to stay above the fray, not allow yourselves to get caught up and, and, and being argumentative with people. And again, you are a representation of the gospel message everywhere you go. So be a messenger of peace. We can oftentimes get up, you know, get caught up in battling with people and thinking that we're, we're doing God a favor by arguing and, and trying to put other people down because we got the silver bullet of scripture and we're gonna, we're gonna hammer them with this. And, and I believe oftentimes we do a discredit even though we, I think our intentions often mean well. He says, I want you to be a, a messenger of peace and love. See, bombing abortion clinics is not a message of peace and love. Being divisive in churches, not handling conflict biblically is not a message of peace and love. Verbally beating people up with scripture is not a message of peace and love. Think about it. When Stephen was dying and people were stoning him, he found, you could find him praying for the people that were persecuting him. When you look at Jesus on the cross, he was praying for the people that were persecuting him. And we need to remember that our lives, not just our words, but our lives are speaking on behalf of Jesus. And so as a disciple of Jesus, as a sent person of Jesus, we have to learn how to stay strong to the truth of Scripture, to the biblical values, and not waver in the midst of all the cultural pressures. 
And so Jesus continues on and, and he gives us a warning about this. Verse 17, he says, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake in order to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Now, I don't know about you, but that's if I'm one of the disciples... In that moment, I'm just thinking, Jesus, uh, can we have a time out for a minute? I, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yet we're going out amongst wolves. We got to be wise, and we got to be, you know, messengers of peace. We got to be innocent. Uh, and I, I'm cool. Like I'm cool with the whole turning water into wine. I mean, I think it's awesome when you walked on water. That was great. When you heal people, when we cast out demons, like that whole feeding the five thousand with a few loaves and fish, and like like that's great. I'm I'm all in with all that stuff. But I'm really struggling with this whole thing of, of, of really being taken to court, like flogged in the synagogue, being drugged before governors and kings. Like, like that's not the greatest sales pitch of being a follower of yours. Like, can we, can we kind of go back to like the fun stuff? Like, can we, can we go back to the things that will, like, make us happy? Like, is there any way to, like, following Jesus, if you do, like, you're, you're going to be safe? Like, it's going to be easy. And see, unfortunately, Jesus never mentions easy. He never mentions that it's going to be safe following. In fact, Jesus pretty much promises that it is going to be hard. He says, and again, you need to understand, Jesus did not endure the cross and the brutality of the cross so that we could play church. He did not endure the brutality of the cross so we could wear these crosses around our necks and, and, and put little fish on our cars. The reason Jesus endured the cross is because my sin and your sin is so egregious that our sin separated us from a perfect and holy God that it demanded an unbelievable, perfect sacrifice. And Jesus said, I am willing to go on your behalf. And he endured all of it for you and me. And so the least we can do, the least we can do is not play it safe, but is to follow him by living sent. See, Jesus promises that if you follow, he'll give you hope, he'll give you joy, he'll give you peace, he'll give you love. But he never said it would be easy. And so Jesus goes on, verse 19, he says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. And so just check your heart. Like when you're living sin, when you're interacting with people, when you're at H-E-B with all the people going crazy, in that moment, what's coming out of your mouth, is it, being, is it coming from the Father? He says, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother, will you deliver brother over to death and the father, his child, and children who rise against their parents and have them put to death? And you will be hated by all for my namesake, but the one who endures, that word literally means to stand firm for Christ in the face 
of opposition. That, that he says, but for the one who endures to the end will be saved. And that word saved is not talking about heaven or hell, salvation. We go back to the same word that we just talked about in James. He says, but for the one who endures to the end will be saved. And when they persecute you in one town and flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And here's, here's what Jesus is trying to, to drive home for, for you and I as his disciples. He's saying, listen, as you choose to follow Jesus and as you are being changed by Jesus and as you are on mission with Jesus, which is the way that we define a disciple. So he's saying, when you choose to follow Jesus, when you're being changed by Jesus and you're committed to the mission of Jesus, then you are going to be unliked. At times, you are even going to be hated and there are going to be some times when you are going to be persecuted. And you know why? Because Jesus says, because they treated me that way. And so they're going to treat you that way as well. And I don't know where it's going to come. It could come from your boss. It could come from your spouse. It could come from a child. It could come from one of your parents. It could come from a coworker. It could come from a neighbor. It could come from another student, somebody in your school administration. But wherever, it's coming, if it hasn't already. See, when the first church began, you know, centuries ago, and people were, excuse me, leaving Judaism or paganism, and they were converting to following this dead man that has now risen called Jesus, Families were all of a sudden having all kinds of conflict and families were now being divided because now uh, you had some that were still Jews and some that were now believing in the risen savior of Jesus. And so what we, they found is that they would, the, the ones that stayed in Judaism or pagan, they, they would continue to, they would take, they would turn their relatives into the authorities. And oftentimes those, those relatives would be beaten and beaten and beaten and persecuted and fed to lions. They would be put to death. They would, they would be, you know, uh, you know, lit on fire. They would, there were all these different kinds of ways of, of putting the Christians to death. And the same thing is still occurring today in many parts of our world where families are, are being rejected because they're choosing to follow Jesus. In the Muslim world, those who choose to follow Jesus and, and leave what they grew up with are often living under the threat of death from their relatives. Even here in the United States, there is persecution that is happening to believers. They're experiencing it through abuse or they're experiencing it through ridicule or they're experiencing it through rejection. Either way, it's happening all around the world. And over the last, I don't know how many years, quite a few years, people that have been a part of the churches that I've been a part of and that leave Catholicism and, and, and are beginning to, to follow Jesus, oftentimes they are really persecuted in their families by parents or relatives because they think they're in some kind of cult because they're no longer in the church that they grew up in. And they begin to say, but, but do, you, do you see what the scriptures have to say? But that's not what the church says. And we wanna encourage you, don't follow a man. Don't follow a religion. You follow Jesus. You follow 
the scriptures. You look at what the scriptures teach. And so I know for some, even when they wanted to be baptized, they faced, they, they, were, they, they struggled to tell their family because they, they, when, if they were to tell them, they were going to take all kinds of they were going to face some persecution in that. And then when some did, they were even asked to no longer come to their family gatherings. They were, some were literally told, you're no longer a part of this family. Just because they were trying to be obedient to what Jesus had said to them to follow him. Listen to me. If you are going to follow Jesus, you're going to face opposition. Now listen, I know there are some of you. That when you attend church, you attend church alone. Your spouse or your parents or your kids don't believe in Jesus. They reject your Christianity. And because of that, you experience this alone. And it's been incredibly hard for you. And I want you to hear me because this is what Jesus, I really believe, wants to say to you. Hang in there. Endure. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Put up some healthy boundaries in those relationships. But persevere. Hang in there. Jesus endured a ton. The disciples endured a ton. If you're going to follow him, you too are going to need to endure. I know it is hard to love and live like Jesus but Jesus loved and died for those who persecuted him. He loved and died for those who ridiculed and rejected him. Being a disciple of Jesus, being someone who is going to love and live like Jesus is going to be incredibly hard. And it will cost you one way or the other. It'll cost you your life. And so Jesus goes on, verse 24 he says, a disciple, Jesus says, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. And again, Jesus was reminding us as his disciples, as, as sent people, that he's not asking you and I to go do something that he hasn't already done, that he hasn't already gone through. Verse 25, it says, it is enough for the disciples to be like his teacher and the servant like his master, if they have called the master, talking about Jesus, and the master of the house, Beelzebub, which means the devil, how much more will they malign those of his household? And here's, his, here's what Jesus' point is. He's saying, listen, if, if they have mistreated and misaligned me, how much more do you think they're going to do it to you as my disciples? If they have called Jesus the devil, how, what do you think that they're gonna call you. He says, if it's happening to me, just know there's a high probability it's gonna to happen to you as my students. There was a, uh, a young man who was trying to get a job and in his references, he had put uh, a pretty renowned professor as one of his key references. And so the hiring uh, manager called his references. And as he was calling, he talked, got a hold of, the, of this professor, and he says, uh, this young man, he used his name, he says, uh, he, he's told us that he was one of your students, and we were checking on, on whether or not that is true. And the professor very quickly said, he says, that young man 
attended a lot of my lectures, but let me be very clear. He was not one of my students. And here's what he was getting at. There is a world of difference between lectures, between attending a lecture and being a student of someone. Because a true student or a servant will be changed into the likeness of his teacher. So here's my question. How many lectures about Jesus have you attended? How many messages about Jesus have you heard? And are those lectures, are those messages, are those sermons shaping you more into the image of Jesus? Or are you someone who just shows up to hear more lectures? Here's the bottom line. As a disciple, as a sent person, you're living today in uncertain times. You're living in very volatile times. Things are constantly changing. We're dealing with all kinds of stuff and we're trying to figure out what does it look like, Jesus? What does it look like for us to respond as disciples of you? What does it look like for us to be messengers that are wise? What does it look like for us to be messengers that are, bring a message of peace? What does it look like for us to be disciples who love and live like Jesus? Because being a disciple is going to be hard. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, if the world hates you, just know that it has hated me before it ever hated you. So here's the question. How do we do this? It's like, Jesus, you said, okay, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. You need to be wise as serpents, as innocent as doves, and just know that if they persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you. And so here's what you need to know. And so Jesus now, he gives us the kind of the, the gold nugget. He tells us exactly what to do, how to do this. And that's what we're gonna look at next week. So here's my question, and we're done. What's holding you back? What's holding you back from taking your next step? Because listen to me, there is no way as a follower of Jesus that is pursuing to be changed in the image of Jesus and to become mature in my faith, there is no way I can stay in the same place today. I'm continually called to die to myself, take up my cross and follow Jesus which means there has got to be this constant metamorphosis. There has got to be this constant growing, maturing process going on in my heart and in my life. So what does it look like for you today? What's your next step? Because you can't stay where you are. For some of you, maybe it's finally choosing to surrender and give your life to Christ. You're no longer the God of your life. You're no longer trying to figure, you are finally at a place where you are willing to surrender to Jesus' kingship in your life. For some of you, it's baptism. It's for you want to publicly profess your faith. It's time for you to do exactly what Jesus called us to, that next step of obedience to, to again, publicly profess your faith, where the baptism is talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And you're saying, yes, I identify with that, and I want to publicly celebrate with others. That's baptism. Maybe for some of you, it's starting to serve, getting in a small group, 
get connected in a discipling relationship. For some of you, it's starting to give financially to your church, to where you're gonna start making that a pattern and a habit in your life. See, for some of you, because of all the uncertainty that's going on around you, your next step is really trusting God with your fear and anxiety about your job or what's going on in this country and in this world. And with the fears that it brings up, maybe for you financially, because we don't know, but God does. Or maybe for some of you, how you love and live like Jesus is really going to be tested when you go to H-E-B or Kroger or Costco and people are acting insane and trying to take every little bit of water and toilet paper, white toilet, I don't know, but anyway. But again, you know, taking all those things and you're left with nothing and people are rude in the aisles, how are you going to love and live like Jesus and be a messenger of peace in the midst of the chaos? What does it look like for you to live sent with your neighbors? Because whatever your next step is, whatever it might be, this is between you and Jesus, I wanna encourage you, take it. Don't stay where you are, but take it. And just know, following Jesus is really hard. But it's absolutely worth it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you call us up to send us out. You keep our, you call us to, to look up. You call us out of the, the place that we're in in order to send us out. And Lord, I, when I look at the disciples and how you sent them out, they, 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 they fell all over themselves. When, as soon as you got arrested, they bailed. But yet somehow, some way, you take people that don't have it all together, just people like you and I, and you're able to maximize their lives when we choose to surrender and do our part of abiding with you and surrendering to you and realizing, getting away from our self-reliance and being dependent on you. Lord, that the things that come out of our mouth would come from you, not from our flesh. That our interactions with our neighbors, our relatives, our coworkers, our employers, our employees, our family members, God, would you give me the wisdom and the innocence and the peace to love people like you love people. And the people that might persecute or make fun or hurt me, God, instead of being angry and wanting to retaliate, God, would you give me the courage and the strength to pray for them and to love them as you did on the cross as you died for my sin? See, for some of you right now, it's time. It's time for you to stop trying to be the God of your life and be in control. And it's time for you to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Where you just write right where you are, wherever you are. 
that you say, Jesus, I know that you love me so much that you came down to this earth, that you went to the cross and endured the most brutal death purely because my sin, my sin demanded that kind of penalty being paid, that kind of debt. And only a perfect sacrifice that could come from God could pay it. So Lord, I know for me, I'm eternally grateful and you right there in your living room or wherever you might be listening or might be watching, God, that you would just tell the Lord, Lord, today I'm choosing to accept Jesus as my Savior. Come into my life and save me. I no longer want to be the Lord of my own life. I'm yours. And now when you choose to accept Christ, he says, you're my child, you're, my, you're a disciple, you're now a follower of me, I wanna, I wanna help you grow. Would you please, right now, would you even let us know on that comment card that we wanna follow up, we wanna help you understand what does it mean to be a follower, what does it mean to be a, a, you know, a mature disciple of Jesus? And God, would you help us no longer stay where we are, but as we want to, follow you and be changed by you and be on mission with you. God, would we choose to just say yes to being living sin. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name.